Hello, I'm Sarah Day, Policy and Research Manager at HFMA, and you're listening to HFMA Talk, the podcast for NHS finance. As part of our support for members throughout the coronavirus pandemic, we are recording a series of podcasts that hear from people working across different sectors, regions and roles to understand the impact that COVID-19 is having on their organisation and their teams. Sharing learning at this time of rapid change is essential and can support all of us as we work in new ways. Our guest today is Suzanne Robinson. Suzanne is Executive Director of Finance at Pennine Care NHS Foundation Trust, which provides mental health and learning disability services in the Greater Manchester area. We have discussed the importance of maintaining good mental health and well-being in previous podcasts, but we hear very little about how COVID-19 is impacting organisations in that sector. In this episode, Suzanne explains how coronavirus is changing working practices for her trust. Hi, Suzanne. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Sarah. Are you okay? Yeah, all good. Thank you very much. Um, Could you start by telling us a bit about your trust and the population you cover and how COVID-19 is beginning to impact your area? Yes. Um, So I uh, work at Pennine Care NHS Foundation Trust and we are uh, a mental health and learning disabilities provider based in Ashton Underline in Greater Manchester. So we cover uh, five of the 10 boroughs of Greater Manchester Uh, Greater Manchester itself serves serves a population of about 2.8 million uh, and we cover about 1.3 million of that. So we provide inpatient uh, and community services. We also provide some specialist services, uh, in particular for children and young people, uh, for trauma-informed care and for military veterans. So we work across uh, approximately 100 sites and we have about 460 beds. Uh, just in terms of our staff, we we employ um, just over 3,600 staff and we support uh, around 100,000 patients uh, every year. So in terms of COVID-19, um, we have started to see um, quite a significant impact um, on our services. Um, we currently have 26 patients that currently test positively for uh, COVID-19. Uh, The majority of those are within our wards. So seven of our wards at the moment have patients um, testing positively, Um, which which means um, that our our nursing staff um, are required to barrier nurse a number of those those patients, and that's to keep them safe, Um, not only um, for our staff, but also for other service users um, who are on our wards. A number of our, our service users stay with us for, for, for quite a period of time. Um, so that is quite impactful for them and for our staff, um, especially when we have more than, than one patient who's uh, posting, positively testing. Um, across Greater Manchester, um, we, we are starting to see an increase in the number of people that have unfortunately died. Um, and we were informed that one of our service users very sadly lost their life to coronavirus last week. And, and that has impacted on our staff really significantly, um, especially because those staff have nursed this gentleman uh, for a number of weeks. Um, and I think they've shown some real bravery, um, compassion and, and real resolve throughout this whole situation. Hmm. I wonder, could you just explain a bit more about what you mean by barrier nursing? So barrier nursing means that people are um, nursed 
in a separate place um, to, to other to other patients so we don't have wards um, which have beds in quite the same way as an acute trust would, would have most of our patients have um, their own bedroom and ensuite facilities and um, when we bury a nurse we we keep them separate and we segregate um, people which is difficult because it means people can't um, use the facilities uh, on the ward in perhaps the way that they're used to but it means we have to uh, have a higher ratio of nurses uh, supporting those individuals. Okay, thank you. So how's COVID-19 impacting how you deliver all of your other services? Obviously, there is an impact on your, your inpatient wards, but I'm assuming it is having a making you change how you deliver your normal services as well. It is, yes. So at the moment, we've got about 12% of our staff who are unable to work. Um, so we've been working really, really closely with colleagues at Greater Manchester Mental Health, which is our neighbouring mental health provider, and Greater Manchester Health and Social Care Partnership, which is effectively our STP. And we've been doing some work to risk stratify and prioritise our services across each of those those boroughs. It's really important that we uh, we understand the, the, the risk and our ability to provide each of our services and make sure that we can protect um, our most critical services during this period. And that changes on a day-to-day basis as, um, as the pandemic develops. Um, we've started to introduce some new ways of working to help us um, manage th- these changes. So we've um, introduced remote patient consultation uh, for a number of our um, clinical interventions. Uh, we've started doing things such as uh, training online. So um, one of the real great successes from, from last week is we, we managed to train 103 of our doctors in palliative care training via Zoom, um, which would have been unheard of, um, I imagine, uh, before this happened. Um, but one of the biggest challenges for us is how do we support our frontline services to make sure that they can continue to provide um, the same level of services for as, as long as possible. So we've started to deploy some of our corporate staff um, out into um, into services to help in that respect. So one example will be, uh, as I'm sure many people have heard, we, uh, some of the challenges we have around the deployment of PPE. Um, so we have uh, uh, corporate staff that are now based in each of our localities to make sure that our wards have their stocks replenished on a regular basis from our central stores and just that one change has actually made such a difference to making sure that people have the equipment that they need um, and, and we do need that equipment even though we're a mental health and learning disability provider our, our staff who are um, interacting with people uh, who have tested positively and, and potentially displaying symptoms also need to make sure that they're protected so the the equipment is just as needed as it is in the acute sector yeah are you seeing any changes in demand for your services at the very start um, of the the pandemic we did actually see a reduction in um, the requirement for some of our inpatient beds but that's not necessarily maintained now Um, what we have seen is an increase in some of the demand within our um, community-based services uh, but I think some of the technology that we've introduced is really starting to help us in that respect so one of our clinics um, in Bury actually reported that they'd seen a reduction in their DNA rates as a result of introduction of video consultation and technology mm-hmm. so actually I think by uh, embracing some of the, the new technology that's out there it's going to help us manage um, some of the demand that will come in the future too. 
And are you delivering any specific services for COVID-19? We don't deliver any specific COVID-19 services, uh, but it it is having quite a a significant impact on uh, our patients and our staff, Um, either those those, uh, the staff who have the virus themselves, uh, a number of our staff are self-isolating at the moment, um, whether that's through their family members with suspected symptoms or themselves. Um, so we, we are seeing quite a, a, a big impact and a requirement for us to do things differently as a consequence, particularly about how we provide services. So in our trust, for example, um, last week we didn't have a helpline for our patients or carers um, and throughout the last seven days with our corporate, our operational and our clinical staff working tirelessly. Um, We've been able to set up a 24-hour helpline for our patients and carers. This actually went live only on Saturday, um, a couple of days ago. Uh, And I think as the weeks unfold, we'll see and we'll be doing lots of things differently. Um, Lots of things that we didn't think were possible before. Um, things that we never knew we could do. Um, I think there'll be examples like this up and down the country where organisations have really gone above and beyond. And despite some of the pressures that we're all feeling, uh, we can still put in place new services as a, in response to COVID-19. It really is quite remarkable. We've also uh, been doing some work with our Manchester Resilience Hub. And this was established uh, in response to the Manchester Arena attack um, and it was intended to coordinate the care and support for children, young people and adults whose mental health um, or emotional well-being has been affected um, as part of that incident. And we're looking at how that model might help provide some additional support and consultation um, in in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic and to provide support to teams or organisations and support frontline key workers. So that's that's a, a new development that we we really hopeful can provide some um, much needed support in the coming weeks and months. So have you had to change how you do things as an organisation? You're obviously putting things in place a lot quicker than you normally would. So I'm thinking about have you had to change um, the way you, you manage your financial governance, your purchasing decisions, etc.? Yes, we've had to review all of our governance arrangements. Um, we, ha- we did a big piece of work to review all the programmes of work and the projects that we were doing as an organisation and decide which of those would need to be stopped or paused um, or re evaluated as, as part of this. So we've, we've put some plan, uh, agreements in place via our board as well to change the way that that works. So, for example... Um, we've effectively collapsed our quality, our performance and finance and our people and workforce committees into one with a w- much stronger focus on um, what's happening in relation to COVID-19. Um, we've reviewed our financial governance and decision-making processes um, and developed some new ones. Um, and those will help us fully identify any costs in relation to COVID-19. Um, and those processes were all approved by our board um, last week. And they're all designed to make sure that we can make some very swift but appropriate decisions um, that, that are still um, still reflect our standing financial instructions and still make sure that we can um, demonstrate value for money and we can be really clear about how we've deployed uh, additional costs throughout, um, throughout this process. Uh, Our finance team have been helping us with that uh, in particular. So we've designed uh, an online business case process, which enables us again to uh, capture the key information, but turn around decisions very, very quickly um, as part of that uh, as part of that process. We've also set up um, specific 
um, inboxes to receive queries around PPE. Um, and we're doing lots of purchasing um, across a much wider footprint. So we're doing lots of purchasing across Greater Manchester um, to make sure that we get the, the equipment that, that we need. So um, lots of collaboration uh, with partners during this time. Mm. And have working practices changed? Have you got more staff working at home during this period? Yeah, so we currently have um, about a thousand of our staff. So just over a third of our staff are currently working from home. Um, my finance team, 100% of the team now work from home. So we've been using Microsoft Teams to keep connected. Um, and broadly, it is going really quite well. Um, apart from today, actually, we're experiencing some issues uh, with staff not being able to access um, the VPN. Uh, but I think we've just got to accept that this will happen from time to time. Um, last week uh, at... The, the, the height of our traffic saw 917 staff concurrently remote accessing via their VPNs. Uh, and that's a, you know, it's a really huge achievement. Um, but we're going to make some additional investment to increase the bandwidth so that we can make sure that those staff that are working from home can do that as effectively um, as possible. Our business continuity plans uh, kicked in three weeks ago. So we've been training staff within our department, so within finance, for example, to be able to cover our business critical functions, um, which are mainly things like procurement and accounts payable. Um, and that enables us to provide some resilience um, should, unfortunately, any of our staff from our key areas, our business critical areas, become uh, poorly uh, or unwell during this period. Uh, and I think there's a general team effort. Um, so even I've offered to do some working papers because we must remember this is um, the time of year that we're doing our accounts. Uh, I must admit I've not actually had any offers yet. Any uh, takers on that one. Uh, but there is definitely a sense of people helping and supporting one another um, during this period. And we've also seen um, some really great examples of innovation coming uh, coming throughout this period. So, for example, we've just introduced um, an, a, a new process of invoice approval using electronic sticky notes. And I know the team have been working on this for, for quite some time, actually, but they've been able to actually put that in place within a week and they've done that remotely because they have to work remotely. And so it's really forcing mm. some innovation and some changes. Um, and I think what, what's really important, actually, is that we do capture these um, examples of where doing things differently um, can, can help us to work in, these, in this virtual world that we're in at the moment. So I'm really keen to promote these um, examples of best practice across the whole of the finance network using things such as the value makers. You know, we can't forget that we've got 1,600 value makers across the, the whole of the country um, who are all there to help share best practice, share ideas, share innovations. And I really want to make sure that we exploit that network because we'll all have examples of great practice that's happening that can support us all in this, in this very different way of working. Yeah. And, and as you say, it's a, it's a very different way of working and it can feel quite odd for people to be working at home and effectively isolated from their teams despite the, the virtual world that we've got. Um, how are you supporting your team to maintain their resilience and to, to keep going during this time? So we've been doing quite a lot um, of um, work with our staff. So we've, uh, we have a, a daily coronavirus update, which is for all staff, and that keeps people... Um, 
up to date with the guidance that's been issued, how it will impact on them, how it can support them, how they can access services such as our wellbeing service, which we're looking to uh, develop even more to provide more support for slightly different circumstances that we're in at the moment. Um, We've also been um, developing our own materials to help people um, cope with working from home. So actually the uh, HFMA top 10 tips for working from home was incredibly useful. Um, I think this really does highlight the importance of having some daily structure to to working day to make sure people are taking proper breaks, people are keeping well hydrated, that um, people are keeping in close contact with, with their, their team and their colleagues um, and eating properly. Um, I know this is one for me that I have a tendency to graze all day, uh, but actually keeping some structure and eating lunch at the right times, as you would if you were in the office, are all really important things to, to, to help our staff. Um, Wider than that, um, say we've been developing our wellbeing service offer um, to to reflect the sorts of anxieties that that our staff are feeling during this time, um, and we there's some more guidance will be issued nationally um, this coming week. So we're trying to make sure that we blend that with what's available nationally. Um, we're also looking to introduce care packages. Uh, and this is an initiative that we agreed as an organisation only this, this week, this morning, actually. And that's about encouraging our frontline staff to, to take a break. Um, and our care packages will involve just things like tea and coffee and water, some fruit, uh, some hand creams in there. Um, but the, the point of them is to encourage people to, despite being incredibly busy, to, to recognise how important it is to take a break and take some time and, and just have a bit of space during uh, what is a, is a very, very, very busy time. Yeah. Um, we're also providing guidance for our staff to support them. How do you support the people who work for you, whether they're, whilst they're off poorly, off, off sick, or whether they're just working from home. So how do we make sure that, that we keep it in touch and, and keeping connected? Um, I actually was talking to my finance department this morning, and that's 56 of us. We're in a, one big email just asking, how is everybody? How is everyone feeling at the moment? Um, and I think that's really important that, that we continue to do that. Um, me personally, I use Twitter quite a lot. So I've been tweeting even more than I did ordinarily um, and using that again to update people on what's happening in the organisation to, to celebrate just how hard our staff are working at this time. Um, and also for me to share some of the you know, the incredible stories of, of how hard my teams are working. So my IT department, my health informatics team, were working over the weekend to build hundreds of laptops to enable staff to be able to work from home. And that really does need celebrating because people are genuinely going above and beyond. So it's a great place to do that. Um, I, I actually have found it quite difficult to, to adjust to, to working um, from, from home. I think it really makes you realise how much you do rely on human contact, um, not only to get things done, but just there, um, just to have a conversation with um, and just to connect yeah. with people. Um, it's an incredibly demanding time for us all. Um, and, I, I, and I think we really do need to take care of ourselves. Um, you know, this is going to be a long haul. Um, so as, as leaders and managers within organisations, I, I think we do need to recognise that, um, you know, without it, we won't be as effective as we could be. So we do need to allow ourselves to try and switch off. Um, I think that's a, a, a really important message. So even though we're, 
um, in a new, almost virtual world, and that's very different, the importance of connecting to one another and being supportive of one another. I mean, I'm very lucky, I think. I've got some really good networks. Um, so um, I meet quite regularly, virtually, with my colleagues across Greater Manchester, my finance directors community, um, the regional finance team, um, provide contact with ourselves and um, we have um, online webinars twice a week um, I've got my own finance team and my informatics team and my estates team which I, I stay well connected to and then the executive team uh, we probably speak more than we did do before this had happened and they're a really good support network for each other um, and I think that's what we're there for you know we have to be able to provide some stability some confidence and some honesty to our staff throughout this um, and just um, make sure that we let them know um, how, much, how grateful we are for the work that we're doing and to, to support them in every way that we can. Excellent, thank you. The mental health impact of the pandemic is going to go on for quite some time after the pandemic is over. Um, how are you preparing as an organisation for that and thinking about the future? Um, I think there's... There's, there's loads of work that's happening at the moment with that in mind. So um, I referred to the Manchester Resilience Hub earlier uh, and I think we're really hopeful that that will be able to flourish. Um, there is a real need for um, some support for, for people, whether that's um, our staff um, in our organisation, but also in other organisations. We're hearing lots of messages from acute colleagues where staff are under unbelievable pressures on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and to have something in place for them to have some um, counselling, some support, some consultation, um, I really would hope that we could develop that offer in the coming weeks and months and provide that support network for people. Um, we're also linked in regionally and nationally um, to the mental health networks, which are led by Claire Murdoch. Um, and that's a real opportunity for us to discuss um, and share ideas and to coordinate what that response needs to be. Um, I mean, Claire's a, a huge ambassador for, for, for this, as you would uh, expect. And so there's discussions already taking place about what we might need to collectively put in place to support staff throughout this. So we, we're, a, we're a part of that um, as well. And I think as an organisation, what we're trying to do is make sure that we document some of the positives that, that are happening in the way that we deliver services at the moment. Um, the, the last thing that we would want is actually when we come through the other side of this, um, that we lose some of those positive ways of working, particularly around technology. So we want to make sure that we're uh, almost documenting the business case um, and, and describing the way that actually we can more effectively deliver services as a consequence of this, and that we don't lose that, um, we don't lose that that you know some of the fabulous examples that we've seen of that taking place. Suzanne, thank you so much for your time today. That's been absolutely fascinating and really good to hear a perspective from a sector which isn't really being covered that much on the news at the moment when we hear about the pandemic. So thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. To support our members and colleagues, all COVID-19 related briefings, blogs and news articles are openly available on our website, hfma.org.uk. There is no need to be a member to access these, so please tell your colleagues. We are recording regular podcasts throughout the pandemic covering a range of areas. If there is a particular aspect that you would like to hear about, please let us know. The HFMA will also be providing more webinars on a range of topics to both support the immediate needs of the NHS finance community and future CPD requirements. 
We will do all that we can at the HFMA to provide support for the NHS finance community and maintain our networks. If you have any suggestions of other support that we can provide, please email us at policy at hfma.org.uk. Thank you for listening to HFMA Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to keep up to date with new episodes.